0: Hallelujah. Luke chapter 21, we're coming into verse number 25, and the Lord is beginning to uh, unveil to the disciples some of the end times things that are going to be going on, and I don't know about you, but a a lot of people believe that we are in that time. Here in verse number 25, Jesus, in red letters, he said, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring so just to stop right there if if you just want to look at that verse it basically is telling us that everything's going to be stressed everything's going to be pushed everything's going to be fearful everything is going to be perplexed meaning that, that there's going to be things going on in the world that are not explainable in the natural the, the chaos, the turmoil, the unrest, there's civil unrest, there's unrest in government, in nations, there's unrest all over the board. Everything is being, in, in our day, in this generation, everything is being distressed. And, and here we see an important thing that the Lord says. He said that everything, you can't get much more everything than the sun and the, the moon and the stars and everything on the earth. That's, that's all of creation. In other words, every everything that God made right now is going to be touched by this coming season. And we see it even beginning in our generation and right before our eyes. And look what the Lord says in verse 26. Men's hearts failing them for fear. You see that? Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken there's there's two things that that mark this verse men's hearts will fail them what does that mean they everybody's going to panic people are going to be looking for help and they're not going to find any in fact people will get into a place of helplessness And when people get into a place of helplessness and they don't turn to God, they're going to end up running right into the hands of the Antichrist, the Antichrist system, and his government and his people. And what we see in this verse is that when men's hearts fail them, it says because they look on everything going on on the earth. You see that, that next phrase right after that? The men's hearts fail them because they're looking on the things on the earth. I want you to know that if you keep your nose glued to Fox News and CNN and, and the New York Times, that your heart will begin to fail you. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need to keep up with things, keep up with things, you need to be aware of what's going on, but if you're glued to it and consuming it, it will begin to consume you and your heart will begin to fail you because literally everything that God made is going to start shaking. Literally, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every star, every sun, every moon, everything on this earth is going to begin to be moved and distressed because its hour is drawing near. Everything that God made is going to have to bring an account for itself. Now watch what he says here. He said that men's hearts fail them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. If we don't keep our mind on Christ, we will never stay in perfect peace. We know that from Isaiah chapter 26, because the Bible says that he he who keeps his mind on the Lord, he will keep us in perfect peace. And yet, we as Christians, we see that verse, we gloss over that verse, and then we wonder why there's no peace in our lives. We wonder why we're falling apart and why we're distressed when God said to keep your mind stayed on Him. If we keep our minds stayed on the, the, the value of the dollar versus the, the Chinese yen or we keep our eyes on what the Bitcoin doing and what the dog coin's doing and we keep our eyes on this government's doing this and that government's doing that, we, we will lose the peace of God that is available for me and for you. Jesus said that men's hearts will fail them and because they're looking on the things coming on the earth. You know that this earth has a date with Jesus and it's not going to fare well for the earth. The, when the Lord comes back, he's not He's not going to walk in that place of humility and allow the world to slap him and pull his beard out and punch him and place a crown of thorns on his head and mock him and ridicule him. When he comes back, he has a date with the earth and he's going to rule and reign with a rod of iron. He will set up as its king, as its Lord, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we see here that when anybody looks after the world, their heart will begin to fall out. Their heart will begin to to fail on them. It doesn't matter how much Sunday school you have. It doesn't matter how many sermons you listen to. It doesn't matter how many songs you got memorized. It doesn't matter what, what, uh, what, what your membership certificate is, what denomination. If you don't keep your mind stayed on the Lord, your heart will begin to fail you. Because the things coming on the earth are not going to be pleasant. They are not going to be pleasant. It says that, that even the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, the, the, the powers of heaven, now, heaven itself, where God resides, is not going to be shaken. We know from the Apostle Paul that there's at least three heavens. The first heaven, the second heaven, and he said he was caught up to the third heaven. The first heaven is the heaven is is where the clouds are, where the birds fly. They fly in the first heaven. And the second heaven is where all the stars are. If you can see a star, name a star, look at a star in a telescope, whatever star you want to think of, that's the second heaven. As high as it goes, nobody knows how high it goes. Nobody knows how wide it goes, but that's only the second heaven. The third heaven's past that. But that second heaven, that first and second heaven is going to be shaken. I believe that, that right now, if you've ever been in an earthquake, you know it, it's a feeling of helplessness. And when the whole earth begins to tremble and the whole earth begins to shake, Everybody's going to be looking for something to hold on to. But then, in a, that same hour, all of the known stars, the sun, the moon, everything's going to begin to tremble and shake and quake. People are going to be so fearful because it's going to look like our earth is spinning out of control. The whole heaven is going to appear shaken. And people that don't know God are going to be Fearful. And the sad reality is that there are going to be many people that see this time. There are going to be many people that, that, that miss out on that rapture experience. There's going to be many people that, that come into this hour right here, and their hearts will begin to fail them if they keep their eyes on the world. And I want you to know that the hour is coming, that, that everything's going to begin to be shaken even as it is now. We see nation beginning to rise against nation, Tribe against tribe, we're beginning to see pestilence unleashed on humankind, and we're beginning to see fear lead the way. Whenever you see the Antichrist come onto the scene in our world, it's going to be because people are so fearful and they feel helpless. When you, when you can't use your credit card to go get a Burger King meal, and you can't cash a check for anything, and there's no gas. You just saw just a few weeks ago when people couldn't get gas in some of these southern states. They were panicking. They were they were trying to do everything they could do. And once we see the monetary system collapse, and government systems collapse, and, and the, the, the armies collapse, and all the nations begin to collapse, people will be helpless and people will run. They will run, literally run, and fall at the feet of the Antichrist because he will have a supernatural endowment from the devil, from Satan himself. He will have a unique ability to be able to bring everybody under one roof, to be able to bring peace. He will, he will speak peace, and all the nations will come together. There will be no more war. There will be no more problems. He will establish a, a one-world currency and a one-world government and a one-world religion. The only problem is, if you belong to that system, you won't belong to God. Because God says that if you take his mark, if you worship the beast, worshiping the beast, taking the mark, if you do that, your name will be not in the book of life. it will be thrown in the lake of fire when he comes. Now, one of the things I want you to see is that fear is one of the things that Satan uses to, to hinder any believer. Fear In helplessness in fact it's one of those feelings that you're missing out he even started that with eve eve he he came to eve and he said you know you're missing out you know there's something better and, and you're not where you need to be and if you eat the if you eat this fruit then you'll have what god doesn't want you to have she was a little bit fearful that she didn't have all that she could have and so satan's his scheme, his tactics have never changed and he's going to do the same thing in our generation and he's doing it even now Now this fear what the thing that I wanted to, to, to touch on is that when the universe begins to fall apart there's only going to be one kind of person that doesn't fall apart with it when the universe begins literally when the when the fabric, that upholds the universe begins to break down and tear apart and you see stars falling out of the sky and the sun begins to to flicker out and the moon begins to fall and 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 all these things this catastrophes begin to come on the earth there's going to be one kind of person that doesn't fall apart you know who that is the person who has eternity in their soul The person who doesn't look on the things on the earth, but looks on the things in heaven. The one that looks unto God through all the storms, through all the trials, through all the tribulations. It says that after the powers of heaven will be shaken. Look at verse 27. After the powers of heaven be shaken, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This is when Israel will look upon the one whom they've pierced. This is when Israel will know that they went the wrong way. This is when they will will plead for forgiveness for choosing Barabbas. This is when they will cry out and they will all become Messianic Jews. They will believe on Jesus finally. They'll give up the Torah and they'll run to Christ and they'll fall at his feet and they'll cry out for mercy as they see the Son of Man coming. And look what he says here. It says that in verse 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, you see that begin to come to when these things begin to come to pass. In other words, this end times situation is not going to just happen immediately. There's going to be a a season for this. Are we in it? You think we're in it? Do you think that the tremors are beginning? Do you think we're, we're in it? He said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. Your Redeemer lives. Your Redeemer lives and your Redeemer's coming soon. And when you begin to see the earth falling apart, we know God tells us at that hour not to look on the things on the earth, but to lift our heads up because our redemption draws nigh. The hour in which Jesus is coming back is coming soon. And when he comes, it's going to be an amazing time. But our Redeemer is coming. Hallelujah. So the world may be looking down on the earth and falling apart and running to the feet of the Antichrist. But we, as God's people, are charged in that hour to stand still. Amen. Be still and know that I am God says the Lord. In that hour, we are called to stand still, look up, and, and look to Jesus, and know that our redemption draweth nigh. Hallelujah. The hour is coming soon in which Jesus is going to rule and reign this earth. This earth that rejects him, this earth that rejects his people, this earth that rejects the faith of Christianity will we'll, we'll know in that hour. Every tongue will, will confess and every knee will bow that he's Lord. Amen. What an amazing day. But our hour of redemption is coming soon. Amen. It's coming soon. So our job as believers is not to get caught up in the whirlwind of being focused on the things on this earth. Amen. Now, we are in the earth. We are in the world, but we're not supposed to be of it. What that phrase you always probably heard old timers say that. But what that means is you're supposed to be aware of it, but you're not supposed to belong to it you're supposed to know what's going on, but discern what's going on. One of the words that God spoke to me when this COVID situation hit is that it's a slippery slope on both sides. And I prayed about that. I said, what does that mean, Lord? And and I felt like the Lord was telling me that those that draw back from God are going to go way back. But those that press in are going to go way in. It's, it's, Things are intensified in this hour. Those that draw back from God are going to go way farther back than they envisioned. They're they're going to... you know, If you begin to draw back from God, you stop praying, you stop going to church, you stop getting in the Word, you stop walking in the faith, you stop belonging to the house of God and the people of God and the presence of God and the Spirit of God, you're going to go back further than you ever dreamed of. But if you would press in and, and follow after the Lord and understand and discern the, the hour in which you live, you God will actually propel you further than you could ever dream of. You'll go further in the Lord. You'll have more peace. You'll have more joy. You'll have more of the Holy Ghost. He'll use you more. More fruit of the Spirit will begin to flourish in the last days. People are going, their hearts are going to fail them. They're going to be given up. And the Christian, those that are baptized in the Holy Ghost, are just going to be like that tree planted by the river of living water. And that fruit is just going to continue to manifest that love, that joy, that peace, that all that, the gentleness, the goodness. All those things are just going to begin to be manifesting, flourishing like miracle growth on the saint of God. God, I believe in that last hour God's going to pour out an anointing of miracle growth. that that fruit of the Spirit, that anointing's just going to begin to flow through the bride of Christ in the last hour. We're going to need it. You can look at the news right now and you can understand we're going to need it. One of the sad realities is one of the the most vicious things going on right now is anti-Semitism is rising. Anti-Semitism, the hatred of the Jewish people is rising right now. And we must, as God's people, stand against that. Amen. But it's only a matter of time before the, 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 the ire of the world begins to be drawn at the Christian. It's only a matter of time before they, they look upon the Christian with the same kind of hatred. And so we must stand against all evil. But what I'm telling you is when we see these things begin to happen don't get caught up in it look up because your redemption draws nigh our job as christians is not to 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 build a bunker and to hunker down our job in this last hour is to understand this the lights going out on the people the, the light is going out on the people, and if, if we don't shine the light of Jesus Christ, they're going to run right into the arms of the Antichrist. We have to understand and discern the hour that we live in. This is life and death, eternity, for the eternal stake of the soul of many people in the world today. We have to understand our job is not to read magazines and kick our feet up at the golf country club and to play golf tournaments and to have 4K walks and to to grill hot dogs and pass them out. Our job is to let the light of Jesus Christ shine in this dark hour. People need Jesus. And if we are Jesus people, we need to make sure that we're giving the gospel to those that need the gospel. I said this earlier, but, but, you know, Paul didn't go around in Asia building YMCA's and handing out hot dogs. He went around Asia preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, turning it upside down. They didn't hang his picture on the wall for a Hall of Fame. They hung his picture up saying, wanted dead. And we as Christians need to understand the hour that we live in, we're supposed to be those same kind of saints where we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the rich and to the poor. Amen? To the outcast, to the downcast, to the downtrodden, and we need to go out into the highways and the byways publishing the gospel of Jesus Christ however we can, whenever we can, wherever we can. God has gifted you, God has put a deposit in your life of the Holy Spirit. We don't have gifts and callings so that we can do somersaults in the sanctuary, although that's cool. I'm good with it. Let's go. But the reason that God gives us those gifts and those callings is so that we can be Christians on the job so that we can be Christians out in the world, out in the community, so that whenever we have a family reunion, we can speak that word in due season. Amen? Other people, they may, not, they may not step foot in a church. That's why you need to bring the gospel with you. That's why you need to bring that anointing. You need to give that prophetic word. You need to speak life to people. You need to inspire them in faith to turn to Jesus Christ. So when that hour, when the shaking begins, that we're called to look up. How many saints are sleepy saints, though? They're not looking up. They're looking down. We got saints right now that that they know more about who's winning the ball game. They know more about who's going to star in this season and in this movie. They know more about things going on on TV. They know more about what election's happening in Iowa. They know more about the gas prices in Indiana. They know more about what's going on in, in Timbuktu but they don't know, they can't discern the hour in which we live prophetically. It says that that, that when when they see the Son of Man coming in, in a cloud with power and great glory, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. Lift up your heads for your redemption. Draw it nigh. Our job as believers is to look to Jesus. I'm telling you that, that, that there's a... A, 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 a whirlwind. that The world is sucking the life out of sleepy saints. The world is literally sucking the life out of sleepy saints. If we, get, if we allow ourselves to not look up, if we allow ourselves to get focused on the things, on the here and now, focused on the things going on in the world today, we will become A, fearful, and B, irrelevant in the kingdom. Fear is what the the Antichrist plays on. Can can you see that? If if you want to read about it, you can go over to Revelation chapter 13. It's one of the main chapters on the Antichrist. But what you'll see is that the Antichrist is given the ability to make war with the saints. And he's given power. He's given governmental power. He's given monetary power. He's given religious power. What does that mean? That means he's able to do anything he wants to do. And people will be fearful because they won't, there will come a time when nobody will be able to buy or sell anything without worshiping him. And in that day and in that hour, our charge, if, look, if, if you're here when he's here, your charge is to look up, not at the things going on. But I'm telling you, even even if you make the rapture, we're going to feel the tremors of this tribulation hour. We're going to see the writing on the wall. We're going to see the formation of, of the events that are leading up to this vacuum of power that the Antichrist fulfills. And in that vacuum of power, people are going to feel helpless. Sleepy saints will get stuck in this hour. Sleepy saints will get stuck in this hour. This is an hour in which the Lord is about to shake the earth, and sleepy saints are going to get stuck. And what I believe God wants us to do is to get stirred up. I believe God wants us to stay stirred up in the faith. Amen? He wants us to stay stirred up in the faith. So one of the things I was saying is that, that, that there's got to be something greater in you than what you see going on in the world. There's got to be, you, in, in any situation, faith has to be greater than what you see in the natural. If you're going to live, if you're going to be a person of faith, if you're going to walk in faith, if you're going to walk in the Spirit of God, you're going to have to have something greater in you than what you see in the natural. You, 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 you can't allow the, what you see in the natural to overrule and overbear what God has spoken and what the Word is saying and what the Spirit is speaking. But if we're going to be those kinds of people, what we're going to have to see is, and have is the Spirit of God stirred up on the inside to the point where whatever is going on on the outside doesn't bother us, doesn't cause fear, doesn't strike fear in us. But we are kept in perfect peace because our mind is stayed on Him. Amen? So what what you see here is that that... That inside has to be changed. It has to have God on it. You have to have God on that soul. Amen? you got to have God on that soul. Um, let, me, let me run through this in Romans chapter 12. I want to show you something right here. Romans chapter 12, a verse that you should know, but a verse that you're going to hear. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You should meditate on that. What does a living sacrifice mean? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, look, you, you, whenever somebody starts to live holy and they live their life set apart and they live as a living sacrifice, we think they're weird. But God said it's reasonable. In other words, it's it, it, it is, it is what, it's just what we're supposed to do. It's, it's not like you're a holy roller to do that. It's not like super-duper Christian. This is a reasonable task that the Lord gives us, to live holy. Well, quit telling me how to live. Well, I'm not, the Lord is. He said live holy. Be holy. Be acceptable unto God. Give yourself as a living sacrifice to Jesus. And he's telling you it's not its not even like a big thing. It's reasonable. You, 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 you know, you ask me for a million dollars, that's not reasonable. It ain't reasonable, guy. Come on. But for God to ask me to live holy and to live as a living sacrifice to him, It's reasonable for God to ask me to do that. Amen? Now, I can't do it in my own strength. He's not asking me to do it in my own strength, but he's asking me to do it. That means I'm going to have to get along with God and and get God on my soul and get filled with the Spirit of God so that I can do what he tells me to do, which is reasonable to do. Now, watch this next verse. This is the main part I want to get to. Verse 2 it says, and be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. The world that you live in, like I said, is on a downward trajectory. The demonic forces on the world are, are raging in this hour. We're seeing things rise in our nation. In, our, in, in this world that we live in, we, we have abortion rampant in our nation. We, we've killed more babies than, than soldiers have ever died in, in all the war, wars combined in this nation. And not only that, but the conformity of the world, we're seeing pedophilia. We're seeing homosexuality, sodomy. We're seeing the, 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 the relegation of, of genders to the world. We're seeing all this conformity going on in the world. And if we don't watch out, we're going to bend with the wind of the world. If we don't stay where we're supposed to be spiritually, we'll begin to capitulate. We'll begin to get complacent. We'll begin to say, well, you know what? I guess it's all right. I mean, it's on the box of Fruit Loops. It's on SpongeBob. It's on Days of Our Lives. It's on ESPN. I mean, everywhere you go, you're getting inundated with the decadence of the demonic world in which we live. And your charge is to not be conformed to it. And yet, we have sleepy saints in the world today that won't get stirred up, but they're getting stuck right where they're at. We're called to not be conformed. And the only way that you can do that is to have the, 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 the Spirit of God burning on the inside. You have to be somebody set ablaze in your soul. You have to be set ablaze in your soul. The hour in which we live is not an hour to draw back. It's an hour to press in. Please hear that. The hour in which we live is not the time to draw back. There might have been a day and an hour. Hey, bless them. They were able to go to Jamaica and set their feet up on the lawn chair and, and you know, just enjoy the beach. But this is not the hour the church is in today. It's a different season in which we live today. We're, we're in a season where we need to let our light shine, and one of the ways that we do that is by not conforming to this world. Not conforming. It's Look, drunkenness is not okay. Fornication is not okay. Adultery is not okay. Pedophilia is not okay. Transgenderism is not okay. You giving chemicals to kids so that they can pretend to be a different gender. That's not okay. All these things are sin. Abortion is not okay. We we people in the church are even caught in adultery and pornography. These things are not okay. Drug use is not okay. It's not okay to be a drunkard. It's not of God. And yet, we in the church world, the things that I'm speaking right now are just—you talk about uh, rubbing people the wrong way. But your job is to not be conformed to the world. The world will tell you, "Hey, a little bit of pornography is okay. A little bit of wine's okay. A little bit of Jim Beam's okay. A little bit of this is okay. A little bit of that's okay." No, it's not. God doesn't change. God doesn't bend. God's laws the same. It's black and white. There's no gray area with God. There's no kind of holy. There there's no kind of set apart. There's no kind of filled with the spirit of God. There's no kind of saint. There's no there's none of that. You either are or you ain't. Amen. You either are or you ain't. One of the things that we used to say uh you know back home is that you know when somebody was pretending to be something they weren't is that they were They were all hat and no cattle, meaning they they had the cowboy hat, but they didn't have the cows. All hat and no cattle. And we see that in the church world today. We see a lot of people that are all hat and no cattle. But what, what we need is that genuine relationship with God. We need that genuine infilling of the Spirit of God. We need that genuine anointing on our lives, and you are not going to be able to skirt around that. This is our calling for this hour, not be conformed to this world. You can't do that in your own strength. You need God to help you to do that. And, and the good news is he's able. He's able. The good news is he's willing. And the good news is he's ready. He's ready, willing, and able to meet your need right now. Right now. If you'll just call on the Lord right now, he'll meet that need right now. He's, he's not gray-headed He's not trembling and weak. He's not having to put on bifocals to see you. He he don't need an earpiece. He's he's not walking with a cane. Amen? And the way he said to Isaiah is he said, my arm's not short. He can still reach right down into your life. His arm's not short. He can do anything. If he ever did it for one saint, he can do it for you. If he did it yesterday, he can do it today. He don't run out of power. He's not running out of fumes. God doesn't have to get refilled. We do. God is is a well that never runs dry. And, And when we believe on him, we tap into that and that begins to flow through us. But he's the well that never runs dry. He never runs empty. He never has to get refilled. He's just the fountainhead. Now watch what happens. He says that we're called to not be conformed to this world. And if, if, if we are complacent today, we'll start conforming tomorrow. If you're complacent today, you'll, conform, you'll be conformed to the world tomorrow. It'll just happen. Once you begin to give up on one area, you begin to conform in one area, you begin to get complacent in one area, it's going to set in stone tomorrow. You see a church begin to you see a church begin to accept false teaching, false doctrine, or begin to compromise. When you see them compromise in one area, I guarantee you the the next the, the other shoe's coming. The other shoe's coming. You it, the old saints used to say it like this: If you give if you give the enemy a foothold, guess what? He gonna take all that he can. He's gonna take all that he can. And what we see in, in our generation is that we've allowed the enemy to grab hold of our foot. We've allowed the enemy to keep a foothold in the door, to keep a foothold in our prayer life, to keep a foothold in our life of holiness and set-apartness, to keep a foothold from us walking in the power of God. He's, he's been able to do that, keep a foothold in the church, but this is not the hour to live that compromised lifestyle in the church. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you get transformed? How do you get transformed by the renewing of your mind? God's, is in this word, it's telling us that it's not information download that you need. You don't need a handout from the pastor with bullet points. You don't need information. You need Transformation. And the only way you're going to get transformation is revelation that comes from God. The renewing of your mind in the word of God. Not the renewing of your mind of some cliche phrases that pastor says. You need to you have your mind washed, renewed by the power of God. That, that has, to, it has to be that the word of God begins to wash away the grime of the world. The, the word of God, the spirit of God will wash away fear and wash away doubt and wash away all these things. Well, if I, if I, if I don't do this, they're going to fire me from my job. The word of God will wash that away. Let them do what they need to do. The Word of God will stand with his back straight, eyes up on the Lord, just like Daniel did and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. God will put in you a, a, a backbone of steel, and that's what the church needs in this hour is a Holy Ghost backbone. You're going to have to have it. In, in, and it's not going to come through information download. I'm not against information, but I'm just telling you transformation don't happen that way. You, you're not going to read systematic doctrines and theologies and philosophies of theology and religion and the institutes and all this stuff and be changed and transformed. That all, God doesn't transform through information, but through revelation. That's the missing thing in the church world today. Is there's a there is an exchange that takes place through the power of God. And that exchange that takes place doesn't come through book knowledge. It comes through Jesus knowledge. And God won't back off that. If you're going to be changed, it's going to be cuz you come to the cross. If you're going to be changed by the power of God, it's going to be because you come to your knees and you come with your hands open in surrender to what God did at the cross of Calvary. And when you do that, that great exchange, that revelation will begin to flow. God will give you an understanding. God will give you an anointing. God will give you wisdom. He'll open the eyes of your understanding to the things of the Spirit. But God won't back off of this one fact. Jesus said He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but by Him. And if we are going to be transformed, if we're going to be transformed, it's going to be because we put our mind on Him. It's going to be because we take the CNN and the Fox News and the New York Times off And we get our mind on what God did at Calvary. And when we come to that cross, he'll begin to change us and restore us and renew us and transform us. And we need the transformation. We need the transformation. As much as a car needs an oil change, we need a transformation daily. We need that inward renewal daily. And God doesn't change. The way that He saves us is the same way He renews us. The same way He gives us the Holy Spirit. The same way that He does anything in your life. It's through bended knee at Calvary. Faith in Jesus Christ. He never changes. People say, oh, you know, the cross, we learned that in Sunday school. The cross is God's exchange. This is the avenue in which God works in our lives. We can't tire of the cross. Our hope is in the cross. Our foundation is the cross. Amen? And our transformation comes from that. It was there that we know that God loved us. It was there that we received his mercy. It was there that our sins were washed away. And it's there that we see the resurrection. It's there that we see redemption. It's there that we see the transformation. And it's there that we receive that anointing that we need in the world today. Amen? So turn with me to to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to pair this on to what Paul's telling Timothy here. If, if we don't stay transformed and stirred up, what's going to happen is that we're going to get complacent. If we don't stay on fire, if we don't stay transformed, we'll stay conformed. That's what we just read. It, it, if you want to take a step back, I mean, I know I was kind of getting on a little thing there. But if you want to just take a step back, we just raise your hand or point to yourself. Think about yourself. You're either conformed or transformed right now as I'm speaking. You're either conforming to the world or you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind even right now. Even right now. You going backwards or forwards? God doesn't play the idol game. We, You know, you sit at the red light and your car idles. Boom, 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 boom. God doesn't play that game. We're either drawing in or pressing, or drawing out. We're either pressing in or pulling away. And what we see here is that, 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 that Paul kind of got on that when he said, you're either going to be conformed to the world or you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We shouldn't, Stop until God transforms us. You, you shouldn't say, well, pastor told me to raise my hand. Pastor told me to go to the altar. I went to the altar. Look, you should, you should press in till you're changed. You should draw near until God changes something. You should press in until the weight begins to disappear, till the heaviness begins to dissipate. Till peace begins to be restored. Till your eyesight begins to be restored. Till your health begins to be restored. Till your hope begins to be restored. Till your heart begins to get filled with hope again. We should press in. Amen? But how many sleepy saints today got their legs kicked up watching American Idol falling fast asleep, being complacent in their faith? Amen? Being conformed to the world. In the exact wrong time that we need to be doing this, Paul is writing to Timothy here, understanding, un, listen, understanding that we're either A, being conformed or B, being transformed. Understanding that, what does Paul tell Timothy? Chapter 1, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou, speaking of Timothy, thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. There's something that Timothy needed to do that wouldn't happen otherwise. There's a stirring up that has to happen. Do you know that nobody on the exterior of your life, their job is to keep you stirred up? It's not pastor's job to keep you stirred up. It's not your Sunday school teacher's job or your mama's job or your wife's job. It's not your auntie's job to keep you stirred up in the faith. It's not. It's not. Paul told Timothy to, to stir up that gift on the inside. There was something when he received the Holy Ghost, there was something when he received that anointing that God deposited in his soul. And Paul said to stir that up, meaning come back to that place where, and I'll, I'll tell you this right here, There's a, the, the place where you receive anything from God, I just alluded to, it's Calvary. You're never going to receive anything from God without surrendering to God. And, and, and when we end this message, I'm going to end on that. So you just keep that in your mind. But surrender to God is what he's after. And if we keep our hearts surrendered, we'll keep that gift stirred up on the inside. But there is not going to be any stirring without any surrendering. I don't believe that God will allow us to be stirred up till we're first surrendered up. So he said to stir up that gift. Amen. And now. And you can think about that. There's so many times in the church world where people say, you know, well, nobody thanked me. Nobody helped me. Nobody asked me. Nobody told me. Nobody did this. Nobody did that. So that's why I'm not doing this. And that's why I'm not doing that. Hogwash. Keep yourself stirred up in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself at the feet of Jesus. Keep yourself at the cross. Keep yourself at his feet. Keep yourself surrendered to God. Stay stirred up. If we don't, look, if if Timothy had to stay stirred up, I promise you we got to. This guy laid down his life. This guy laid down his life for Jesus. You know why? He was in front of pretty much a Mardi Gras parade. They were, they, they were doing all kinds of, of sexual lewdness and decadence and they were getting drunk on things like Jim Beam and wine and all this. They were just having a revelry party and he went out into that city and he stood right in front of that parade and he rebuked them in the name of Jesus and they beat him to death. This same guy that we're talking about. See, you can't stand for Jesus if you're not stirred up. I believe with all my heart that Timothy could have been complacent. He could have just sat back and said, well, you know, the world's going to be the world. He could have just sat in his recliner. He probably had a nice chair at his church in Ephesus. He probably had a nice easygoing, you know, time. He could have just sat back and said, well, you know, the kids are going to be kids. The world's going to be the world. I'm just going to sit back and, you know, grill some hot dogs and invite them to church. I'm gonna build a community center so they can play basketball and shoot hoops, and 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 you know we're gonna we're gonna grill some burgers and, and 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 have a pizza. You know we're just gonna have a good time with the community. Now he went out to the community and rebuked it in the name of the Lord, stood against the deaconess that they were doing in their quote-unquote Mardi Gras parade, and they beat him to death right there in the street. In fact, his beating was so severe it took him like. Have another day to die. This man was stirred up for Jesus. He went out in the boldness of the Lord. And I believe just like Stephen. I, I, now, we don't know. It's not recorded. But I believe just like Stephen got that standing ovation from Jesus, I believe that, that, that Timothy probably got that same standing ovation. I mean, if, if you stand for Jesus, I believe he'll stand for you. I heard an old minister say that. He said, you you can't lift up Jesus without him lifting you up too. How beautiful is that? So Timothy here is charged to stay stirred up. Look at the next verse. Why? Why, Paul? Why do you want me to stay stirred up, Apostle Paul? I mean, what's wrong with just, just relaxing a little bit and just, you know, You don't have to be all on edge. You don't have to be all serious. It's not always about that, Paul. Why do I got to stay stirred up? Look what he said. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let me ask you something. Why do you think Paul is telling Timothy, God didn't give us a spirit of fear? Probably because if he kept his eyes on the things of the world, he'd get a little bit fearful. So Paul's telling Timothy here, look, dude. God didn't give you that spirit of fear. If you don't stir up that which is in you, you're going to be beholden to fear. If you don't stay stirred up and on fire for God, you will fear what the world fears. You will not speak up when it's time to speak up. You won't have a backbone when it's time to stand up. And you won't say the name of Jesus if it costs you your neck. And Timothy did all those things. He spoke up for Jesus. He stood up for Jesus. And and, and he didn't conform to the world. But if you keep your eyes on the Fox News, CNN, New York Times, this, that, and the other, fear will begin to, to take root in your life. And I'm telling you, fear is what the Antichrist plays on. It funnels you right into his hands, right into his system, right into his religion. He said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's what God gave us. Power, love, and a sound mind. When you get stirred up, those are the outflowings. When you get stirred up in the Lord... If 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 you get if you get shook by the events of the world and you get stuck in complacency, what you need to do is come back to the cross, come back and surrender, and let God begin to rework those things and he will stir. He will begin to stir on the inside, and what will what the result will be? Power, love, and a sound mind. Now let me close real quick in Isaiah 64. Bear with me right here. I, w- I got to close right here. Isaiah 64. This is very important to hear this part. I don't have time to go through all of this, but I want to read you th- these three verses. Isaiah 64, beginning in verse number 6, just to show you that God doesn't change. I want you to see this is not some end times thing. and the- God doesn't change. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anything that God does in the New Testament, you'll find it in the Old Testament if you look. If you ask the Lord to show you, he'll show you in the Old Testament anything in the New Testament. What he says in verse number six he says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. That should sound familiar if you've ever been down the Romans road. Our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. There's a problem here in Isaiah's passage. Real quick, problem right here. They had gotten into unrighteousness. They had gotten into sin. Nobody was standing in the gap. Nobody was interceding. Nobody was stirring themselves up. Nobody was taking hold of the name of God. Nobody was taking hold of God and because of that God had shrunk back from them. When they begin to pull back, God pulls back. You draw nigh, God will draw nigh. But when you walk away God will be go that way. And, and one of the things you see here is as they allowed that to go on, they got into a place where nobody was keeping them this is what it says nobody was keeping themselves stirred up to take hold of his name. Nobody was taking hold of God. They were just letting the world die in decadence and darkness and and we as God's people should not be okay with that in our generation. Say, hey, if they want to do that, that's their problem, but I'm standing for Jesus. I'm going to let this light shine. I'm going to lend my voice to his name. I'm going to stay stirred up, and I'm going to stay filled with the Spirit of God. I'm going to stay surrendered at the cross of Calvary, and I'm going to put my name out there for God so that he would be glorified. I'm not going to put my name in the hat with the Antichrist. I'm going to put it over here with God. And look at this next verse. This is the closing verse. He says, but now, O Lord, see things change. But now, O Lord, what what changed? How did this change take place? But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. How did they go from unrighteousness? How did they go from complacency? How did they go from nobody getting stirred up and taking hold of God to this verse saying, but now you're our Father? How did that change take place? But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father, here it is, we are the clay, and Thou art our potter, and we are all the work of Thy hand. What what happened? They got down on their knees. They became clay. They became clay in His hand. They got down uh, as much as they knew in that day. This is before Calvary. But they got down into a place where they surrendered to God again they 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 saw that they were they were putting their selfish desires and their will and their way above God and in this verse when he became that father again it's because they became clay they melted at his feet they hit their knees they, they released control. They, they went down on and put their face on the earth. They, they put dust on their head. They opened up their hands to God and said, here is all that I am. Here's my sin. Here's my iniquity. I'm not hiding from you anymore. I'm not running from you anymore. I'm bringing my sin to you because I know only you can heal me. And in that hour, they became clay and he became the potter and then they became the work of his hand. I'm here to tell you that God doesn't change. If you'll become clay this hour, he'll become the potter this hour. And he he will use his hands to form you, to forge you into the person you need to be in this hour. God, be glorified. We need to be surrendered. And God's asking you to come back to that cross of Calvary, come to those altars, come to your knees, in a place of surrender so that he can keep you where you need to be.